This episode of the Side Alpha podcast is sponsored by EF Johnson, a JVC Kenwood company. As a leader in mission critical communications for more than 90 years, we have made it our mission to make safe simple. This is Fire Rescue One Side Alpha podcast, putting fire service leaders in front of hot topics facing firefighters today. Now here's the executive editor of FireRescueOne.com and FireChief.com, Chief Mark Bashore. We are joined today by Chief Tiffany Green from the Prince George's County, Maryland Fire and EMS Department. She joined the department in 1995 and worked through the ranks. In fact, I had the pleasure of personally promoting her three times during my tenure as chief of the Prince George's County Fire Department. She is the first first African-American female to lead the department. Welcome to the Side Alpha podcast, uh, Tiffany. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you, Mark. I appreciate that. It's an honor to be here, and I'm looking forward to our conversation. Uh, outstanding. I, uh, I know how busy it is, so we'll get right to it. Um, recently, the uh, Prince George's County Fire EMS Department was awarded the Senator Sarbanes, uh, Senator Paul Sarbanes Fire Safety Leadership Award. Uh, specifically for implementation of the firefighter rehab program that, frankly, uh, Chief Green and I worked together on when uh, when I was chief of the department and getting it implemented. Can you give our listeners uh, an overview of the findings and successes of the program? I think everybody understands the concepts of rehab, but can you give them uh, an overview of the findings and the successes of that program? Yeah, absolutely, Mark. And again, it was an honor for us to receive this award. So just as you said, a few years ago, the department launched an initiative to push a culture that was focused on improving the health and wellness of our members. We basically renewed our efforts to reduce cancer-related illnesses, cardiovascular death, and disability of our members. So some of the things that we focused on during that time was providing all our career and volunteer members with annual physical, physical fitness programs like O2X, which focused on not just physical fitness, but mental fitness. And we invested in our on-scene rehab units that provide medical monitoring and a place to decontaminate themselves after an incident. So our rehab unit was placed in service early in 2017. It's staffed 24 hours a day, and it provides a climate control area for our emergency responders to rest, get, you know, recover, receive medical assessments, and go through a decontamination process before they're sent back into the incident. So just a little bit about the unit. The unit has um, a large onboard generator. It supports our lights. It has a refrigeration system and a unique configuration for five medical monitors, specifically as it relates to carbon monoxide. That was very important for us to make sure that we were able to monitor our EMS providers when they came out. The unit is also supported in conjunction with a rehab support unit. It's staffed by our volunteers. We're one of the largest combination departments in the world. And those volunteers provide refreshments and rehydration. So combined, these units together have provided an innovative solution for us to support the health and wellness of our organization, and most importantly, our first responders. So before this, though, I mean, so bringing us up to where we are now, our department requires incident rehab for all personnel actively involved in incidents. But before that, a few years ago, our department had one dedicated ambulance that was dispatched on the scene for emergency incidents. That unit provided the shelter and, and the providers that took the vital signs and, and you know cared for the overall health of our responders from the incident. What we found for that, what we found from that though, after we looked at the data, was through the years it was determined that it was ineffective and ultimately did not support the department's efforts to ensure our responders' health and wellness. So we see this program as a success. Just this past Monday, we sent two firefighters to the hospital. 
based on the results from the rehab assessments from a major fire. In addition to that, we've identified over 30 members that have required emergency transportation from the scene, while others were, have been removed and referred to non-acute medical care. Even in one case, Mark, we had an EMS provider that recognized that a member who was operating on the fire scene was now going through a, going through the re, was operating on the fire scene and now going through the rehab process was having a significant cardiac event. Based on that finding, the member was immediately transported from the scene and underwent an emergency cardiac procedure. And as a result of that quick assessment, that member had a good outcome and was able to return to work several months later. And that could have been drastically going the other direction there. So we are very excited about this program and how we'll continue to keep our members safe. And we're happy that we received the award this year. Uh, that's fantastic. And I know as we um, implemented the program, uh, and I think chiefs around the country will share uh, in this experience that rehab, and I, I'm going to use a very frank word here, rehab used to be considered a culture for sissies. And Absolutely. we, um, yeah, we were at the time in the National Capital Region, us and a couple of other departments, uh, were on the cusp of this shift in rehab culture and shift mm -hmm. in the safety culture of the fire service mm -hmm. and what Prince George's County has been able to do with that unit and with that program uh, is absolutely a uh, uh, you know a, a model for success for all over the country where it's really no longer considered uh, a culture of sissiness it is a culture of right. safety and something that people expect and frankly deserve so absolutely. I absolutely applaud you for what you've done and the, yeah. the awards, uh, the, the awards great. So, so for us, I think that when you talk about the culture of, of just that tough guy mentality, um, for yeah. us making it mandatory that you go through the rehab was one of the biggest successes of the program. It's not an option, you know, before, you know, people would bypass the, the EMS unit. Um, and now that it's mandatory, we're, we're able to account for every firefighter, their vital signs before we send them into another emergency. I think that's one important piece takeaway for our command officers as well. Oh, that, that's absolutely critical because it's, you know, we we all know if a firefighter is given the opportunity, they will uh, take the the path of least, least resistance to get back into the fire, and uh, making making that a mandatory um, a mandatory culture is a big piece of it. So I applaud you for um, I applaud you for getting us as a fire service, uh, not just for Prince George's County Fire EMS, but as a fire service recognized uh, that uh, that rehab services is uh, the, the way of the future and something that other departments should be emulating and modeling. So I, I thank you and I congratulate you for uh, getting it to this point. So, you know, 30 members transported, uh, the, the recent ones you had, I mean, those, those findings uh, remind us that, that firefighting is strenuous and in in many cases i'll admit it's uh it can be considered a, a young person's job uh, so to that end uh, talking about young folks we're going to kind of switch gears out of the rehab uh, for a minute and i want to talk about a program that i is near and dear to me i know it's near and dear to you uh, it's a program that prince george's county fire ems launched uh, in 2012 and that's the high school uh, fire ems cadet program uh, which I know, you know, there are programs all over the country. Uh, there are uh, 
not created equal in that the states deal with them differently. Uh, but I'm wondering if you can give our listeners a, a little feel for the success of Prince George's County's program and where you're able to take it now. Yep, absolutely. So we, we love our high school cadet program. Um, so in 2012, the department partnered with Prince George's County Public Schools to create the high school fire cadet program. Now, this wasn't our first cadet program in the history of the fire and EMS department for Prince George's County. Um, but this was the first time that we actually took an initiative to, to work as a partnership with the school system. The program is, is called a technology and educational program, like a CTE, and it provides high school juniors and seniors with an opportunity to explore training and career pathways within the fire and EMS service. The program is about two years long, um, and it provides training and education that our normal members and recruits will receive during recruit school or volunteer recruit school, such as Firefighter 1, Firefighter 2, Hazmat, and EMT. These credits can also be pursued further as electives towards degrees in fire science, public safety, and paramedic studies. So the program is located at two schools, one centrally located in the county and one in the southern portion of the county. The program recently expanded to allow all students, regardless of where you live in the county, to, ha to have an opportunity to participate in the program through the busing service. They basically bus them to the closest school. The program has graduated about 152 students. And of those 152 students, we've had the opportunity to hire over 21 students from this program. And we have over 15 cadets that are active volunteers right now. So Mark, some of the biggest success stories, in my opinion, have been centered around our conversations with the kids. I believe we give them a sense of purpose and hope. Most of them, when they start the program, they say they were shy or they didn't know what they wanted to do when they left school. So the program, because of the mentoring piece, gives them that sense of belonging. And to me, we're cultivating good citizens by showing them teamwork in the fire service and community service. So that's yeah. our, our biggest takeaways from the program. Yeah, no, it, it, it's great. The, the sense of belonging, the mentoring and cultivating that is something I really loved out of the program and, and watching what you guys have been able to do. I, I think in the first year we were able to get one, uh, one of the kids out of the program to actually come on the job. And in the year that last year, as I was leaving, it was 13 kids. So uh, we certainly, uh, you have certainly been able to, to grow the program and bring it um, along to where it's an enviable, uh, an, an absolutely enviable uh, program for departments across the country. And even small departments like where I am now, where um, Florida has a different higher education program than Maryland does. So it's not quite the same tie. Uh, and that's what I was talking about. The states all treat it differently. But uh, I hope that you're able to share your successes, whether it's in programs or just as as chiefs that might be hearing this program uh, or looking for more information that you would be able to share with them uh, how the program was developed and where the pitfalls are. Um, one thing I wanted to say, you talked about uh, the kids and, and watching them grow through the program. I remember that first year when we said we're going to make them wear uniforms. And uh, mm -hmm. we did golf shirts. I presume you're still in, in golf shirts. We, we are. Yeah. So the um, I, the first year when we said that, I remember half the parents were um, glad and half the parents were, um, no, you're not going to make my kid do that. And, you know, at the end of the day, we, we had an agreement that everybody was going to be uniform and they were going to be in golf shirts. And some kids dropped out of the program because they refused to wear the uniform. Some were made fun of in school, almost a bullying kind of thing. Yeah. 
But in the first year, by the end of that first year, they were the envy of the school. Everybody wanted to be in that uniform and everybody wanted to be part of that team. So phenomenal success. And uh, I applaud you again for taking it to the next level and, you know, getting to the point where uh, you've been able to hire 21. You got 15 active in the volunteer system. I mean, it's fantastic and great stuff and great for the community uh, and really great for um, attracting that homegrown talent. Uh, You know, I I know Prince George's County, while Prince George's County operates under a consent decree for, I, I believe we're out of it now, but operates for a consent decree for um, minority hiring and the, you know, the difficulties in the fire service around that hiring uh, and getting homegrown talent from uh, those minority communities was always problematic. But this program proved that um, it wasn't about the minority student. It was about getting the program availability out there and uh, showing them that they could be part like you like you said you couldn't have said it any better showing them that they could be part of something bigger than uh, just who they were right so and giving I, them an awareness in fire service yeah yeah i mean the fire service and you know what you you now have in that case there's 36 people that uh, just mm-hmm. by those numbers there's 36 people who not only grew and came up through prince george's county's system so they're they're not only familiar mm-hmm. with Prince George's County and the dynamics of the county, but now you've provided them with two years worth of training. And uh, if they follow through on the degree, uh, uh, well, on the college credits, if they follow through on that, the potential mm-hmm. uh, for a fire science degree or emergency management degree, something to that effect. So great stuff. Right. So, yep. And one of the things, one other thing, Mark, that one of the things that we share with other departments when they're looking at this program is this is a community-based program. The goal of a fire department is to be community-based, and, and with having a cadet program like this, when we can cultivate our community from, and, and get them into the fire service, we're ultimately just creating a pipeline to keep it sure. flowing. And so for me, growing up, I didn't know anyone in the fire service. I had never seen uh, female or male African-American firefighter or anything like that. So I, I know that this need exists. So the purpose of the program is to continue that and keep that flowing. I think that's important. We'd now like to take a brief moment to recognize our sponsor, E.F. Johnson, a JVC Kenwood company. When the mission is critical, no one has time for complexities. Kenwood's Viking Fire Safe software enhances communication awareness in a dynamic fire scene environment, allowing firefighters to focus on the mission at hand. We know that you rely on radio communications as your lifeline. That's why Kenwood is committed to providing you high-quality P25 portable and mobile radios that are easy to use. We make safe simple. Visit us online at www.efjohnson.com. So, you know, as we we talk about all those uh, successes of the program, what advice can you give chiefs who might be looking to establish a similar program? You know, we've talked about a lot from diversity to mentorship and, you know, the coordination of states and, and all that. What advice can you give chiefs that are looking to establish this kind of program? Okay, so for us, uh, one of the big things that stood out in the very beginning um, was just the process of getting the program up and running. I would tell them off the bridge, don't reinvent the wheel. There are plenty of other programs in the fire service all over the country that are running phenomenal and are doing well. They're very successful. I would say some of the initial challenges with setting up a program from the start um, is figuring out that MOU and the stakeholders and the challenges that come with that. 
if you can reach out to someone who already has a program up and running and use that blueprint, I think that would make that, that process a little easier. Um, I would also say that something that, that came to, to mention for us and it came to be a problem for us in Prince George's County was the, the fiscal implications. So I would say work very early to establish a line item, line item budget for the program or some type of cost sharing option. I mean, this is important to me for the sustainability of the program. Um, the upfront costs are pretty easy to articulate in a budget meeting, but the long-term cost is what ends up becoming a problem for a chief. The personnel, the equipment, the mentoring tools like CPAP training sessions and all the things that are happening behind the scenes, we don't usually account for those. But in order for the program to be sustainable past a year or two, you got to have the funds to be able to support that. Um, I would also say that it's important that you select people to run the program that want to be a part of it and are invested in it. Firefighters are not hired to teach or mentor young adults. So recognizing very early on that the selection of the staff is critical to their success. And, and unfortunately, a chief has to make significant fiscal investments to make sure those personnel are in place. And lastly, I would say pack your patients. These are young adults we're dealing with. So the training environments won't be the same as career recruit schools. Their requirements won't be the same. Um, the things that you're going to have to do um, to ensure that their learning environment is consistent with their school learning environment is important. Um, and it requires us to have a little patience there. So that's some of the things that I would say. And of course, think outside the box. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I especially I especially appreciate the pack your patience. Uh, you know, when, when um, fire department instructors are accustomed to uh, mm -hmm. the paramilitary structure that we do operate in, it doesn't always work yeah. so well in the school system. So absolutely, uh, they're not recruits, you know. Yeah, yeah certainly so, appreciate that. Yeah. Anything else on that? Um, so there, so that, that's one of the things that always happens for us is when we sit down and talk to our stakeholders and even our union leadership and just explaining to them the different levels of training that they receive in that program um, and just making sure that they're not being compared to a career recruit or a volunteer recruit um, and just making sure that we communicate that to everyone. Um, that, that way, you know, everybody has a clear understanding of the successes of the program and what the clear expectations are. Yeah, no, good, good stuff. So as we go to wrap up here, I do want to uh, uh, talk about your selection as chief and what that means uh, to you and, and to the fire service. Uh, you know, I know that uh, there are many challenges to managing a large combination department, uh, let alone a, a metro department in the National Capital Region. Um, the, the complexities are more than most people will ever understand. But I I know that it is doubly challenging um, being one of the first African-American uh, fire chiefs in the country, one of, and I know you'll, you'll talk about that, but uh, you indeed are the first female chief of the Prince George's County Fire and EMS Department and the first African-American female chief of uh, the department. So as we talk about that and you think about that how challenging has it been uh, as that first or is one of those first nationwide uh, leading one of those large combination systems can you talk about that for a couple minutes um sure so i get asked this question all the time mark and i'll tell you um if i'm 100 percent honest with you the challenge to me is not directly related to my race it's more so to my gender 
Um, and to me, the challenge was created by a culture that I stepped into 24 years ago. Uh, the culture 24 years ago, and even in some places now, is the perception that this job or this profession of firefighting is only good enough for white males or males in general. And to be quite honest, to me, the job of being a fire chief, or at least the job of what I know of it over the last 305 days, is more like running a major corporation. I enjoy it. Not, I'm excited about it. Uh, um, not that you're counting days, <laughs> by the way. <laughs> but, you know, in my 305 days of experience here, uh, it's really like running a major business. So I enjoy it. I'm excited about the changes and the legacy I will leave Prince George's County. Uh, so that's really what it is. And when we talk about the challenges of the culture, though, um, it's just literally going up through the years, feelings of having to kind of prove yourself beyond what my male counterparts have had to. No matter what rank um, I've been in and what assignment, I've always had to be more prepared, or I've always had the feeling that I need to be more prepared, and I have to work harder. Now, some of it, honestly, I can say is me. I consider myself to be a little bit of a workaholic, and I like to do a good job, and I may have gotten some of that from you, uh, but <laughs> some of I'll it laugh. is a result of... <laughs> But some of it is a result of questions that are often asked of me, like, how did you get here and why you, instead of why not me? You know, I've been at the top of my rank for every promotional exam, and I think that would afford me a little bit of credit, but that's often not the case for women in the fire service. Most often they get classified as good test takers and not good managers or good leaders. So for me, the approach for the position um, and the perception of whether or not I belong here what I say to that each and every time I'm asked is each day it presents itself in various forms. So I was chosen based on my work performance and history with this department. So it's great to be the ninth African-American female fire chief in the country, but it'll be even greater to not be the last. So one of my goals is to show women of all races that this is achievable on this level as a fire chief. That's great stuff. I appreciate your time today, uh, Chief Green. I wanna capture some takeaways for our listeners. We talked about several things today uh, with Chief Green. First was about the Senator Paul Sarbanes Fire Safety Leadership Award that Prince George's County Fire EMS uh, was recently uh, awarded. Uh, and in, from that program, one of the takeaways was that it's a combination of physical fitness and rehab services that were mandatory for all personnel on the scene. That's a huge piece out of it. Uh, next, we talked about the Fire EMS uh, Cadet Program and uh, really the, the biggest takeaway there that uh, is important as chiefs think about, you know, what impact am I having or not having is that the kids that we have demonstrated in that program and what Chief Green has been able to demonstrate is that the kids walk away with a sense of belonging, uh, a sense of being something bigger than themselves that they didn't have before they came into the program. And we talked about also with respect to the program that uh, financial complexities are important to think about up front. It's not just important about the upfront costs, but to think about the ongoing complexities uh, up front so that you have a system for success going down the road. Uh, and then lastly on that piece was making sure that you select the right people and to pack your patients. Select the right people to teach and pack your patients uh, because you're dealing with young adults who are not actually recruits in the program. So great stuff there. And then the uh, last takeaway that uh, I wanna give our folks, as we talked about uh, your experience, uh, Chief Green's experience as uh, Prince George's County Fire EMS Department's first female fire chief and first African-American female fire chief, was that she indicated that the struggles she's had as she's come through in the last 300 plus days uh, since uh, she's she was appointed as chief is that it hasn't been as much about her race, 
as it has been about her gender. And the culture of the fire service as a male-dominated um, um, occupation is something that uh, Chief Green is helping break the, uh, the glass ceiling for, for a lot of females. We appreciate you uh, doing that. We appreciate you taking the time uh, to join us today. We have been talking with Chief Tiffany Green from the Prince George's County Fire EMS Department. Thanks for joining us today on Side Alpha Podcast. This is Mark Bache, your executive editor for FireRescue1.com and FireChief.com. Join us on FireRescue1.com and FireChief.com for the latest news and information affecting the fire service worldwide. Keep safe, stay smart, and take care.